Welcome to Theology Matters. This is Dr. John Clark, and we want to continue our study on the topic of eternal security by continuing to look at some objectionable passages or some objections from the Gospels. And we left off last time in John 3.16, and um, you know, one of the objections in John 3.16 is that the word believe is found in that text as a present active participle. And so many people will appeal to that and say that uh, it proves that our faith must be ongoing and continual since it's in the present tense, uh, present tense, and and that's the participle. And so uh, we started talking last time about the, the need to accurately understand the use of participles in the Greek language. And we identified that participle, which you can identify as well through any kind of study, um, as a present tense articular participle, which thus functions as what's called a substantival noun or a descriptive title. And we want to talk about why that's important to understand when we look at this passage. He who believes uh, simply means the believer. He who believes or the believing one, without denoting anything specific about the nature of believing, its duration, is it a point in time, is it continual or ongoing, or even the time when it occurred, past, present, or future. And so that's that's just the truth about that that structure participle that we find in John 3.16. It doesn't really tell us anything in and of itself about the 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 uh, specific nature of believing, its duration. Is it is it a point in time? Is it continual ongoing? We don't really know just from the structure. Um, when did it occur? Past, present, future? We can't even tell that from the structure. And so just important to understand that that just the syntax alone, just the 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 conjugation of that participle alone doesn't tell us these things about the way the word was used when Jesus spoke it. Now, some other examples. Uh, this may help us understand this concept that we we actually need the context to determine: is it talking point in time? Is it talking continual? Is it talking past tense action, future, present tense action? Um, so, I want to give you some examples of of the same exact Greek construction, the same exact participial construction. Uh, which illustrates for us that that the phrase in John three sixteen whoever believes does not inherently refer to continual habitual or persevering belief. And the first example we want to go to is in is in Mark chapter fourteen. Mark chapter fourteen verse eighteen. And um, what we're going to see here is this is a, a story uh, of Jesus on the night he was betrayed. And and the and the verbal construction who dips okay that we're going to see is the same construction as whoever believes in John three sixteen so let's just read that John or Mark fourteen eighteen through twenty Mark fourteen eighteen through twenty now as they sat and ate Jesus said assuredly I say to you one of you who eats with me will betray me and they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one by one is it I and another said is it I And he answered and said to them, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. So who dips is the same present tense participle construction. It's articular and it functions as a substantival noun. Now, looking at that passage, was Jesus saying that the one who dips continually here? Is that his emphasis? In fact, would Jesus and Judas had to have kept on continually dipping in order to prove that Judas was 
would betray him? Is that what Jesus is saying here? No, the context establishes clearly that this dipping took place during one meal. And, and if we actually bring in John 13, 26 here, it further establishes that this was one specific dipping gesture. Look at John 13, 26. Jesus said, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And so we see it's a point in time uh, event. And this is, again, the same structure as the participle in John 3, 16. Another great example is in Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through 35. Luke chapter 1, verses 34 through 35. And it's the phrase, as we read it, I want to point it out beforehand, is it's the phrase, who is to be born or the born one. And that's the same construction participle that we have in John 3, 16 for whoever believes. So let's look at Luke 1, 34 and 35. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born, there's our participle, will be called the Son of God. Now, for Mary's sake, I am sure she is forever grateful to God that this did not mean that Jesus is being continually or habitually born, since birth by its very nature is a one-time momentary event. I mean, if there's any ladies listening to this, could you imagine an ongoing and continual labor of a child throughout your life. I mean, clearly this is this is a one-time moment in time event of birth, and yet it's reflected by the same structure, a present tense participle that we find in John 3:16 for whoever believes. Luke 16:18 is another example of this structure, present tense articular participle, uh, similar to what we have in John. 316. In Luke 16, 18, uh, we see the phrase, whoever divorces his wife. That's the same, again, grammatical structure as whoever believes in John 316. So Luke 16, 18 says this, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. And so the very nature of divorce is momentary or or what we would call punctiliar as a legal judicial decision. Once it's done, it's done. It's not an ongoing thing. Now, the result of divorce is ongoing, but the act of divorce is a moment in time when the paperwork is finalized. And so what's the main point of bringing in these other illustrations or these examples? The, the main point is this, the, the structure, the grammatical structure, whoever believes in John 3.16 does not inherently indicate continual or ongoing belief. It describes anyone who has who either has believed at a point in time in the past or who believes at some point in the present or who will believe at some point in the future. How do we know this for sure? We'll consider the context. Go back to John chapter 3. The object lesson used by Jesus to illustrate belief was a one-time moment of faith and not an ongoing continual faith. In fact, if we read a couple verses before John 3:16 in verse 14, we see the example was an Old Testament example which reads this as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
So John 3.14 describes the story of the Israelites and the poisonous snakes. And if you recall, the Israelites had complained about Moses' leadership and God's provision for them during their wanderings, and God sent judgment through fiery, poisonous snakes. God also gave Moses a remedy for this snake problem, and the people were to respond to God's remedy, or they would suffer physical death. And what was required of the Israelites? One look. One look of faith. And they were instantaneously and permanently healed. And and they weren't required to keep on looking at the brass serpent for the rest of their lives in order to get healed and then stay healed or to prove that they were initially healed. None of that was encapsulated in this story. It was a one-time moment of, of faith where they looked at God's provision through this bronze serpent. And the moment they did that, they were completely healed. And then Jesus says... Uh, he uses that as an example to go right into John 3.16. And so he is reflecting that whoever believes, whether they believe now, whether they believed in the past, whether they believe in the future, whoever believes in the Son, that he died for them and rose again, they will never perish and they have eternal life. And so John 3.16 does not teach a, con- a need for continual belief in order to be saved, even though it's in the present active participle. So hopefully that made uh, good sense. Now, we do see uh, another verse that often comes up in John 3. Um, and in the way this is read, and in fact, let's just read it. It's John 3, 18. Uh, it says this, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And the way people will uh, typically use this as as an objection uh, is they'll say, yeah, well, if you believe you're saved, but if you stop believing, uh, if you believe you saved or if you ever reject Jesus Christ, then you could lose your salvation. And so is that what John 3.18 teaches? Well, let's kind of work our way through that. Uh, first of all, the, the phrase, he who believes in him is not condemned. And uh, what that's saying is that whoever believes in Jesus Christ is not presently condemned. In fact, the, the, the word here, condemned, shares the same root uh, as the word in Romans 8.1 that says there's no condemnation for those who are, who are in Christ. And so it's a, it's a supporting verse uh, for this passage as well. But notice the next phrase, but he who does not believe is condemned already. And this is very telling and I think very helpful as we get into the grammar here of this phrase. It says, now notice... Uh, he says, um, now notice he says, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Um, notice that whoever does not believe in Jesus Christ was condemned in the past with the results continuing in the presence. In fact, when, when, when Jesus says what he says here, he switches tenses. Uh, he went from a present tense, whoever believes, which we've looked at, to now whoever does not believe, has not believed in the past, and who remains in that state of unbelief is condemned already. That's kind of the, the, the literal translation of that, recognizing the perfect tense use, uh, use of the word believe. And, and why is that? Notice he goes on to say, because, kind of giving us a reason. Why is that the case? Why are they condemned already? Again, he is not believed because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, Son of God. And so now John, in that phrase, clarifies the issue of belief further by clarifying that the person who does not believe in the previous phrase is someone who has never believed in Jesus Christ. 
This is very, very important. In fact, has not believed is a perfect active indicative, which again indicates a completed event at a point in time in the past with ongoing or continuing results in the present. So this is not talking about someone who had believed and then stopped believing. This is specifically talking about someone who has never believed. And so very important to make those distinctions. Let's look at one more passage in John. uh, And this is John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Um, And many people will say, well, uh, you can't lose a gift. You can't lose the free gift of salvation, but you could reject it and give it back. The idea is that you you could receive the gift by faith, but at a point in time, if you rejected the Lord or you rejected Jesus or you rejected the gift, you could actually give it back. And oftentimes they'll use uh, John chapter 10, 27 through 29 to show that. So let's read the passage, John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. So notice again that Christ is the one who gives believers eternal life. It's a present tense gift of something that goes on forever. It's the definition of eternal as we've looked at in the past. But because this is true, then the next phrase makes perfect sense. They shall never perish. Again, this is the Greek double negation, ume, and the phrase ice tone, iona, added, giving a meaning of shall never, no, not ever perish forever. A very strong way to say that they'll never perish. And that makes sense when you consider eternal life. On top of this emphatic statement, Jesus adds the additional teaching saying that no one shall snatch them out of his hand. And that word snatch there is used in the future tense. It it kind of denotes a couple things that Christ is holding on to the believer, not the believer holding on to Christ. And so Christ is clearly the one uh, described as holding on and that there would be no future moment where someone could take us out of his hand. And this is the emphatic statement again, that's saying it's an impossibility. But not only that, you've got this next phrase that my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. No one means there's not even anyone uh, to do this. Snatch here is used present tense. So no one can take you out of the father's hand right now. And so again, no one means no one. Uh, Present tense means present tense. He's holding on to you. And this is where many people will say, well, yeah, I can see that. No one can snatch us out of their hand, but we can jump out. First of all, You and I are included in the phrase, no one or anyone. There's no exception given here. And then secondly, if a believer could jump out of the hands of the Father and the Son, they could perish. And Jesus said that no one would perish forever. And then third, the word translated is able in verse 29 could be in the middle or passive voice. If it's middle voice, it would signify that the person does not even have the ability to snatch themselves out of the Father's hand. No one can jump out. And then if it's in the passive voice, it would signify and further support that the primary emphasis that no one outside the believer could snatch them out of the Father's hand. 